Ah, yes, OGP, the One Giant Podcast, where I am your host, Adam Armbrecht. No Andy Makowitz on this one as we come in uh, both live on YouTube and then ultimately on the podcast, breaking down the breaking news that it is official. The New York football giants have hired their GM of, we think, the future. Uh, there have been a fairly wide netcast in the first round of interviews. You had Ryan Poles from the Kansas City Chiefs brought back in for a second interview. Adam Peters of the 49ers wrapped up his second interview yesterday, but the very first one in the door initially, the very first one in for a second interview was Joe Shane, assistant GM of the Buffalo Bills, and now officially the New York football Giants GM. We dive in on what it means, some of his initial comments, and then, of course, what it'll look like going forward here when it comes to filling that head coaching vacancy and ultimately roster construction, free agency, and the NFL draft. Takeaways just from him right off the bat here as we dive in. Uh, it's an honor to accept the position of general manager for the New York Giants. That's an easy one. We call that a, a layup when you're speaking about taking on the new role for Joe Shane. But now the work begins. My immediate focus is to hire a head coach with who I will work in lockstep to create and uh, excuse me, create a collaborative environment for our football organization. He also said in regards to the head coaching search and who's going to be brought in. There's some speculation, the, the connection, obviously, with Dable there uh, on the Buffalo Bills staff right now as the offensive coordinator preparing for a big matchup this weekend. So depending on how quickly this information comes out, it could be delaying what may feel like an inevitable hire there uh, because of the playoff run that they're going on. But we also know that the New York Giants had already requested to interview Dan Quinn, defensive coordinator from the Dallas Cowboys, and also uh, another request in for Brian Flores. You do have uh, Joe Shane with some ties to the Miami Dolphins, and Flores obviously three seasons there as the head coach, and then going back to New England Patriots days as well. But in regards to it, we will cast a wide net regarding our search for a head football coach, Joe Shane said. But more importantly, it has to be a person who possesses the ability to lead an organization and the ability to motivate and develop players. Uh, we know that John Mara had come out and said in his end of the season press conference, first and foremost, want to get a GM in the door here. We obviously want to start to correct what has been a really rough run for the organization. Beyond that, he said that it wouldn't be necessarily a package deal between GM hire and then head coach hire. They wanted to make sure, unlike the last time around, that they were cautious in the process, that they were thorough in the process, and gave themselves the best chance to write this organizational ship. That being said, um, I, they have the two interviews scheduled. There was some speculation coming into today that Brian Flores would be the, quote, leader in the clubhouse to get the job. If Peters had gotten it, then you had overlap with them going back to the New England days. Uh, obviously, Dan Quinn has been a relatively hot name on the market coming out of the Dallas Cowboys wildcard playoff loss, had success, went to a Super Bowl as a head coach with the Atlanta Falcons. I, it just seems like, which by the way is where this all began, that if you're hiring Joe Shane, he was going to bring on Dable and that was going to be the direction that you go. The other thread that we can tie it to as well, if you like Joe Shane and if you like having Dable, Brian Dable come on as the head coach, there's two things. One, Andy and I were leaning in the direction of Adam Peters, really just like, I, I think, the, the longstanding history of the 49ers organization, and we like the stops that Peters had had before. But now in Joe Shane, 
if you're going to be at this place where he comes in and then you're bringing in Dable, you can look at the quarterback position in Josh Allen and see the success that they've been able to have with him. A quarterback that came into the league was not terribly accurate and has been built up into a dual threat, can use his legs, can obviously use his arm, and they've really helped to build an offense around him that caters to his talents. One of the things that also came out recently in regards to Daniel Jones was that the consensus among all of the GM candidates is that Daniel Jones has had a very bad run of luck when it comes to being in an organization that has had multiple head coaches over his tenure, started with Patrick, uh, sorry, started with Pat Shermer, then went to Joe Judge, and will now be on to his third coach, and then also has seen multiple systems. So it's maybe hard to evaluate the talent and what he's capable of, but in this opportunity, now with Joe Shane and with Brian Dable, if that were to be the tandem that gets created here, you have an opportunity to maybe get a good look in year number four for Daniel Jones. And it goes back to what Andy and I had talked about time and time again. If if you go into this season where you could pick up the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones, what's the worst-case scenario of not doing that? He plays out the fourth year. You bring in the new GM, you bring in the new head coach, you fix the offensive line, you address some of the issues that you have, you try to improve the cap situation, and you give yourself a real chance to evaluate Daniel Jones. And I mean as the incoming GM and head coach. We can all talk about where we think we are on Daniel Jones and if ultimately they're going to move on. But this, this year coming up can be the new era of the Giants and evaluating, getting one last look at this young quarterback. And if it's not going to be the quarterback of the future, it's not the worst thing in the world that you come into a draft class that is fairly weak at the quarterback position and you can go ahead and make decisions about trading back from five or from seven, maybe pushing off a first round pick into next year and giving yourself a couple of assets to move up the board and make sure you can target and acquire the QB that you want to go get. Just some additional comments here when we talk about uh, Joe Shane and his initial comments around becoming the GM. Now the work begins. My immediate focus is to hire a head coach with who I will work lockstep with, create that collaborative environment for our football organization. That's what was, that was the initial one there that I had said at the top. Uh, we'll cast that wide net as well. Mentioned where we want to go here. Is this going to be someone that can lead this team forward? I think Brian Flores, just to walk through his candidates real quickly again, Flores is obviously someone who had success in Miami from a record standpoint, but also butted heads with the GM, moved on from a lot of coordinators in fairly quick time as well over his three seasons there. Is that a red flag or not? If Joe Shane, by the way, does not go with Brian Dable, well, no one should know better if he's capable of and ready to take on the role of head coach and what that brings with running an organization and helping making these decisions. Joe Shane's been in there with him. So if that's the hire, like I said, we had we had our speculative opinions or what we may have preferred. Now we're here with Joe Shane, who's a solid candidate. There was the, again, it was one in one a between Adam Peters and Joe Shane. So I'm excited about this hire. And now if he decides to go with Dable, I'm going to be on board with that as well. Our goal is to build a roster that can be competitive, have depth, and most importantly, win football games. This isn't. This is the part of it that we've been talking about a ton when it comes to what are the expectations? How is this team going to be, be constructed and what will the giants look to accomplish in the short and long term? Since we're doing this live real quick, I'll shout out over there to Devin Griffin who asks about what if we get the quarterback from Seattle, obviously that man's name is Russell Wilson in regards to building. As you see here, this quote, 
a roster that will be competitive, have depth, and most importantly, win football games. I, I think that something like that is just that's a short that's a short term solution to bringing in a high quality quarterback to bring in stability to the position. But you have to remember the Giants have next to no cap room in, in this current situation. There are things that they can do to create cap space. But if you bring in Russell Wilson and it costs you some of your draft assets, are you able to then rebuild the offensive line so that he has someone to play behind, right? Obviously pairing him with Saquon Barkley. And if you still have Kenny Galladay on this roster and Kadarius Tony coming back and getting healthy, you can see how the offense can be dynamic, but but I think that if you're doing it the right way, if we believe that John Mayer is doing things the right way and going out and getting Joe Shane and then whoever they hire, even if we assume Dable or otherwise, whoever comes in as the head coach, the goal has to be how do we not make short-term moves that impact us in the big picture negatively? And I think if you went out and gave up assets and acquired Russell Wilson, it would be exciting for the next three, four years I don't know if it would rise you to the level of beating out some of the other top teams in the NFC. We can look around there speculatively and say, is Aaron Rodgers still going to be in Green Bay? What's the state of the Rams going to be in another few years with all the moves and sacrifices that they've made recently? So it's not that it's not a, a, a viable option, but the cost could be a little bit steep. And again, I think John Mara, Steve Tisch, the Giants organization, they want to get back on level footing here. And the way that you do that is you take the first year you assess the roster, you make the prudent moves when it comes to the finances. There's a big date coming up that we're going to get into going forward starting next week, and that's June 1. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, cap considerations that come into play when you look at June 1st, specifically around the trade, pre or post June 1 trade. And I think that that's going to be interesting when you take a look at guys like Logan Ryan, a veteran, when you take a look at a guy like Kenny Galladay, whatever his diminished value on the market may be right now, when you take a look at a guy like Blake Martinez coming back from injury or a player like Sterling Shepard also returning from injury and obviously a guy that represents money on the books and probably not a big part of the long-term future for the Giants. So these are the things that I think when we look at it, you want this new GM to come in and make those assessments first and foremost. Who is going to be a part of this organization going forward? And who are guys that we need to start to find the exit strategy on? And the second component to that is, and let's not cut off our nose despite our face here, moving the money too early, taking on dead cap hits, and then restricting ourselves again for the next year and the year after. A James Bradbury would be another name that comes to mind when you think about who would you be considering moving on from potentially as you progress through this off season? So, you know, that, that last piece of this quote about building a competitive team with depth and with, of course, the ability to win football games. My version of this team just would be to see a, a young squad that is competitive, but that first and foremost fixes the key areas that we've seen be issues for the past decade. That's offensive line and then fleshing out what you're going to do at some of the skill positions on the offensive side of the ball. It's exciting for, I mean, let's just stay on, on, on task here with Joe Shane. This is a fantastic hire. He has a tremendous track record. And obviously when you look at the Buffalo bills, you've seen what they've been able to create there over the last handful of seasons. He's been a big part of it. And if you go by the GM in Buffalo bean, he said going back a couple of years in an article with the athletic, Joe Shane is going to be a GM. He has all of the 
thought process, all of the considerations, all of the experience, all of the knowledge to walk into an organization and make smart, calculated decisions about how to be successful in the short and long term. So it's always good to obviously get praise from those that have worked around him. But again, this is the next phase, evaluating the roster, assessing free agency, and figuring out what are a handful of moves that we may want to make when we look at this offseason and prepare for the draft. We'll tap back in here um, into the comments real quick here. as we This will go out as a podcast, obviously, on the back end, but live on YouTube. Who will be the better coach you think that can work and who not to pick for coach? That's again from Devin Griffin. It's interesting. Like I said, um, I'm not at the only pause I had with Brian Flores was the rumor that he was saying Giants head coaching position is top on my list. Also, I really want to pair myself with Deshaun Watson again. That this is like the second layer beyond a Russell Wilson move. Obviously, Watson's a tremendous talent, comes with a $40 million price tag and the cost of, of acquiring him. So it makes it hard for me to look at that and say, oh, that's the guy that I want to have in place. I like what Flores did down in Miami. I think that you can make the case that there's a bit of dysfunction behind the scenes there, right? Commitment to two, or did you want to move on from him? Now, Flores played a role in shifting and moving through some of the coordinators, but were those coordinators that he brought in initially, were they ones that the GM wanted to force out? So it's hard to know specifically what led to his firing there and whether or not he was more responsible for the success or that it was a byproduct, right? So I don't have any problem with Flores. Um, Dable, I'm fine with, and I don't want to sell it short. I'd be fine with that hire. And then there's some other young guys. You know, when we were going through the process of looking at GM candidates and the Giants have brought in uh, Rand Carthen, also from the 49ers, there was some link to running backs coach and assistant coach of the Rams between Carthon and Thomas Brown. I've said this a little bit before. I think we talked about it over on Twitter as well. In my mind, you know, when we talk about 30 years experience as an NFL executive, and that's why you want him as a GM. Is there really this big of a gap between 30 years and 15 years or 30 and 10? I don't think so. And, you know, where the league was 30 years ago is a lot different now. So, you know, some level of that experience, I think, gets truncated based on where things have progressed to. Now, and some GMs who have been around are better at evolving with the league than others. The same thing applies to head coaches. Um, you know, there's been, I think I looked over at the hierarchy of odds. Brian Flores was there. Uh, you get Peterson, former Philadelphia Eagles coach was there as well. Someone had mentioned Josh McDaniels along the way. I don't think, though I could be wrong, that would seem like more of a long shot to me, especially now. Again, odds on Dable probably rises right up these charts here. Um, you know, and I, again, when we were talking about Adam Peters, I looked inside the Niners organization. A buddy of mine said, why not D'Amico Ryans, who's the defensive coordinator there? Relatively short tenure in the NFL as a coach. But I'm fine going with a young mind. Again, I, I think this is why securing the GM is the most important piece of this. Because now I get to take the big step, step back and say, think to when the Giants hired Dave Gettleman. We all, we all sat there and said, well, you interviewed a handful of guys. John Mara has this sense in his mind that he wants to stick with Eli Manning, wants to try to win again with him. And I said before on the podcast that uh, I loved Eli Manning and I was willing to go down that rabbit hole. But but the point being is once you make that choice, once you made that commitment, it did feel like you already saw this thing of, well, I've been given stipulations, right? 
and, and Dave Gettleman made all of his own disastrous decisions from there, certainly, but it, it never felt like you were putting the general manager in control to, as we've heard again, to have carte blanche, to make all the necessary decisions to fix the organization. It very much was this, and we don't have to go down the entire history of it, but we know, right? You mismanage sitting down Eli Manning for Geno Smith. That ends up reflecting very poorly on your organization and honoring the best quarterback of the franchise and one who led you to two Super Bowls and picked up two Super Bowl MVPs along the way. So this whole thing ends up extending out the timeline of how do you say goodbye to Eli Manning? So you bring in a GM that will acquiesce to that, and then he mismanages assets in the draft, and he constructs a terrible roster, and he spends money on bad players and makes poor trades. You never felt like it was going, you were going to be able to trust him, right? And that extends to the idea of the coaching search. You hired Dave Gettleman, kind of sat around on your hands, ended up with Pat Shermer. Then you turn around, and the next thing, you, now this is John Mayer's influence. He hears from Bill Belichick. It's on high authority. Guy comes out of nowhere in Joe Judge. It ends up being a mistake. I can acknowledge that I wasn't against it at the time because I'm always willing to buy in. I'm always willing to get excited about what the opportunity is and if a young head coach could turn things around for the New York football Giants. That also didn't work out. It feels like in this moment right now that the Giants have finally calmed themselves down, that John Mara and Tish, they finally settled themselves down. They've identified a quality GM, and they're going to bring him in and say, what do you want to do? Who is your head coach? Evaluate. And listen, John Mara has told us all along, and I, I actually do take him at his word on this, that whatever meddling he had done on the front end, once he had Gettleman in and once he had Joe Judge in, everything was predicated on the idea of, you tell me what we're, what do you want, right? You like this player in free agency? Let's make sure the numbers run. Okay, let's move forward with it, right? There, there's this idea that John Mara has his hands in every little tiny detail and every little decision. I don't think that's the case. But what I do think has happened is that he sets he set, set himself up and the organization up on a false narrative that we can still win. And I think we can still win, and I want Eli to still win, so I'll get a GM that thinks we can do that or is at least willing to tell me that he thinks he can do that, and then everything from there just tumbles down the line. So that's why I think that this is really a great jumping-off point. We said from the start, too, when it got down to these second set of interviews and said we have three viable candidates here, any one of them I would have been happy with. Any one of them I would have been happy with. Ryan Poles, I would have been excited about. I, I said before, Andy and I talked about Hortiz down from Baltimore as well. When you look at that and you, you wonder, he spent a very long time inside of the organization. Do you worry that it's a system as opposed to him being a key cog that can go out on his own? A little bit of that from Poles as well. His entire NFL career in the organization with the Kansas City Chiefs. But even then, right, we just outlined it the other day. Well, if it had been Ryan Poles and maybe it was going to be the enemy, how can he as a former NFL running back and a running backs coach and an assistant coach and an offensive coordinator, how could he maybe get the most out of Saquon Barkley if the Giants are going to choose to move forward with him? Likewise, for the 49ers, I looked at Mike McDaniel, the offensive coordinator there, young mind, Dungeon and Dragons master, right? I didn't care, nerdy or otherwise, bring him in. Let's move this engine forward. You get the same thing here with Joe Shane. Dable's been doing it, bring them in, and let's start to get a sense that this team, and then specifically even on the offensive side, because there's one other component to this, but on the offensive side of the ball, let's just let's just start to have an identity. And I don't mean just on the field. I mean, let's have an identity as an organization. What are we trying to accomplish here, right? 
We need an offensive line. We need a consistent run game. We need weapons and skill position players that all fill very specific needs and roles so that they can be relied upon. And it doesn't take much to look back at the Bills and remember, they went out and got Stefan Diggs because he was the missing component to their offense. We need someone that stretches this thing down the field and provides Josh Allen a little bit of extra time, a big, easy target on play action passes, and create some of that value and space for the other wide receivers and their tandem running back system that they've worked for the most part there. Exact same process that we want to see here, right? Whether it's Daniel Jones or otherwise, you can put the system in place, put the personnel in place, and understand we have a sample size just north in the same state, or one state above, if we want to give full credit to New Jersey, um, that we've been able to accomplish this. So we can construct this roster and know that a quarterback with this skill set and with this ability is going to work well within it. So I, listen, that, that's the best thing that I can say about it. You have experience and knowledge coming into the building, and it looks like this is going to be a big step in the right direction. Quick tap back over into them there. What up, Big Task? Good to see you in there as well. And you're darn right, Big Blue Wrecking Crew. Um, and Listen, that that's that's all we need to know, is that the GM is now in place, and the next step is going to be the head coaching process. Again, if I had to put my money on it, it will be Brian Dable. And we're going to try to duplicate the success that we saw the Buffalo Bills have since Josh Allen got in there. And if you go back and you think about it, even though the timeline is off from being a rookie and starting it, if you like what they were able to create and accomplish with Josh Allen over the course of the start of his career, and you'd be objectively insane if you didn't love it, maybe there's still something, something there that can be tapped into for Daniel Jones. And if not, you go right out of the end of the season, you roll it over and you give yourself a great opportunity to move forward. That's the deal. Joe Shane in the door says all the right things as we know, and now it's time to get to work. And by the way, as we've said, now we can start to think about what pieces fit into what the bills are, what the bills, I say, what the giants are going to want to do here uh, with this team on the defensive side of the ball. There's a number of talented players that I think you can still utilize going forward. We know that Patrick Graham is still here and still a part of this coaching staff, can he be retained if you go with an offensive-minded coach? I think it's possible, but there's nothing holding back the new GM and the new head coach from saying, this is a clean slate, we're going to roll this thing over, going to get my guys in the door, and that's what we're going to start to pull on next. Maybe later today, this one's going out live, obviously, going to start to take a look at the Day Bowl connections, who are some coaches that he'll be looking at potentially to pull on. Same thing with Brian Flores, who are the guys that he kept around down in Miami? How would you construct a coaching staff around him? One footnote on the Brian Flores potential hire is he fired Patrick Graham down in Miami. So if they go with Flores, it'd be safe to say that Patrick Graham will not be retained for the New York football giants. And again, I'm fine with that either way, but if it ends up being Dable, maybe there's a path forward for Patrick Graham. We know you're going to hear defensive players speak up for them. The question becomes how many of those defensive players are really a part of the big picture for the New York football giants. I will start diving in on the details. I will start dissecting what the coaching staff could look like, and we'll start to compile the list of players, both on this roster and potentially in free agency, taking a look at Buffalo and who's going to be on the market and how the giants might start to look at things. Now that we have at least the GM in place, 
whether or not the head coach is a lock or not, you can start to make some of these other connections in the background. We'll probably end up doing more episodes over the weekend. Uh, we're going to have the bonus pick special coming out as well. Andy and I selected all four of the games. I'm trailing in that, but hoping to fight my way back through. That's the deal, my friends. The New York football giants have hired the new general manager in Joe Shane, former assistant of the Buffalo Bills. It'll all become official and all those little things, the bells and whistles that go along with it. But it was a good process, I think. Took a couple of weeks, didn't rush it, gave yourself the opportunity to meet with other very qualified and well-regarded candidates, and ultimately the New York football giants go with Joe Shane. We'll be back in breaking down all of the news and notes around this, including yours truly, getting into a little bit of that look at the draft, just starting to set a board and getting some names in our mind of where the New York football giants could start to look as we turn this thing right off from the guardrails and careening down into a ravine back on the road to success for the New York football giants. We'll be back in talking it early and often. Thank you for anybody that got in on the live. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you've seen, we're ramping up our content over there. Get in on the comments. Tell me who you prefer as the head coach. Is there any dark horse candidates that aren't being mentioned that you would like to see get an opportunity to be a part of this staff. We have a couple of other guys, maybe not the head coaching level, but certainly if you want to build a quality organization overall, get into those names as well. I mentioned it once before, Cully, formerly of the Houston Texans. I think he's a good mind to get into the building. Take that little nugget, but get after us. We want to hear from everybody, want to interact with you all as we continue to drive through this offseason and what really does feel like a new and fresh start for the New York football giants. In the meantime, as Andy Makowitz would want, need, and nay, demand you the people know, as always, let's go Big Blue.